0: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and
4: Patrick Maher on VSN.
5: Okay, you heard Brent Musburger. It is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. He, of course, is Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Make sure you check it out, betmgm.com. Remember, they've got the loyalty program, so every time you place a bet, whether it's on the app or the website, you get loyalty points, kind of like a credit card. Check it out, betmgm.com. Dot com as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line. Uh, podcast host with Michael Lombardi, GM Shuffle, Femi is here, and we were just talking about the virtuoso performance from Steph last night. Um, you know, call him Van Gogh because he
2: went crazy and created a masterpiece last night, right? It was, you know, it, 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 go ahead. I mean, he just, he did what great players do. They win games, they take over games, and they and everybody keeps talking about, you know, If Embiid had more of a better supporting cast, he would win. If this guy had a better supporting cast, you know, like, no. Great players take over games. You mentioned it earlier in the show. I mean – you know, how many great players took over You know when LeBron was playing or, or when some of these – Kobe, the teams around them, great players make other players great. They don't need great players. We've lost ourselves in this, well, you need another superstar. You need another superstar. You know why we're saying that is because the guy we're saying isn't really an A-plus player. He's a really good player, Tatum. but he's not an A-plus player. Yeah. You know, it's That's even why. Yeah. And you know, it's even,
5: you know, perception doesn't often equal reality. Michael within basketball circles in the NBA and also just fans, the perception of Steph, because he grew up with money, that he was soft, right? And that he came into yeah. the league without a position. He came into the league, super skinny. We, you and I discuss how he's turned his body into, it's all muscle now, but the toughest dude on the court last night mentally and physically, with Steph Curry. I mean, we were just talking about if you had one of those, if you had an Apple watch on Steph last night, how many steps do you think he was running to get free? It's hard to get those shots up against a great defense when everything's essentially created off pick and roll. I mean, he is, it's unbelievable.
2: And never looked winded. And look, he only rested seven minutes. I mean, we know Kerr decided that, you know, We've got to extend these minutes. Like, I can't keep you off the court. I can't get yep. you to 35. You're going to have to play an extra six minutes here. And so his conditioning is remarkable. He never tired. And, look, I, you know, we we wrote this for the Daily Coach a couple of weeks ago. The great Aaron McKee, the former six-man of the year from the 76ers, who's now the head coach at Temple. He, he His grandfather said, I walk 10 miles to school. I walk 10 miles to work. Your father walked five miles to work. You drive a Cadillac. Your son's going to drive a Mercedes. Your next son's going to drive a a, a Porsche. And then his son's going to walk to school. Because hard times train people to become better. And what I think what we see with Steph is he did have hard times. Yes, he, went, he grew up in an affluent family. But the fact that the ACC wouldn't recruit him was hard for him. And so he made it his mantra – to get into the to to prove to people they were wrong and that was a hard time for him and so what we see as the obstacle as ryan holiday wrote about becomes the way yep and he used that as the way and this is where he gets his toughness from this is where it's not the environment you grow into; it's the mindset you live with and i think that's ultimately what steph does
5: yeah, it's interesting. My dad, I, I love how because my dad went to the po- worked at the post office instead of shooting threes for a living. That there's a different perception. It's like he he's
2: worked harder than anybody. Uh, it, it's it's really unbelievable. But how, that's his whole life, though. Is, yeah. He's been slapped in the face since he was a kid. You're not good enough for the ACC. I mean, he's living in Charlotte, that the ACC capital. Nobody wants him. He's got great grades. He could go to Virginia. He could go anywhere. He's got to go to Davidson. Nothing wrong with Davidson. Oh, by the way, he took Davidson to the elite eight. By the way, I mean, in the case I forgot to mention that, I mean, great players take your team. And yes. I, I hate when people say, "Well, you know, it's not Fultz's fault that that Washington goes." No, yeah, it is. If he's a truly great player, his team is going to a sixty-four player, sixty-four teams in a tournament. You can't get to be one of sixty-four.
5: And the perception coming out of college was too small to play the two, but he wasn't a true point guard because they didn't know if he had the handle, by the way, he's turned his handle into one of the all-time great handles in the history of the league, 80, 75 plus years. So like everything has been earned for Curry. And it just bubbled up last night in his birch, And you could start, I could list off the top of my mind. I think he had 49 in a finals game one year. You could list off the top of mind great performances. I don't think any better than what we saw last night. By the way, game five back in Golden State Monday night, Circa just went from that three and a half to four as you were just
2: discussing Steph Curry. So we're seeing the number jump up a little bit here towards the Warriors. No surprise. Yeah. Well, no surprise. I mean, that's been the case. The, you know, and, and let's say this very clearly with respect to, to Josh Applebaum, who loves to follow the money line and see the movement, and he really tries to drive. This is a series to ignore where the money's moving to. It's just not. It, it, now, I think you've got to pay close attention to the over-under. That's something the book has really done a good job of, of working through that. First half over-under, second half. But I think ultimately this is a series or this NBA playoffs has been an absence of what the number truly is. Yeah. It's just a fact. They can't get it right. I mean, the book's all over the place. I mean, you know, last night the Warriors are, what, four-point dogs, and they win by ten. Now, it was, a, it was the best game of the four that we've seen so far, but it still didn't come anywhere near the number. The only thing that was looking like that three-and-a-half or four that you laid with Boston, you were in a little bit of trouble. You thought, well, Boston's going to win. Are they going to cover? And then with seven minutes to go, Kerry took the game over.
5: Total over under two and two on the series through four. You mentioned, you know, it's a heavyweight fight. Like it was a 91 86 Boston lead with 732 to play. And then as I mentioned earlier, they scored six the rest of the way. But this game was back and forth. Five points this way, five points this way. But it's the tightest we've seen. And you can include the other rounds. It's one of the tightest games we've seen throughout the postseason so far. I mean, this was a yeah. three-point game this way, a three-point game this way. It was a heavyweight fight.
2: It was a game seven. It was what we thought all game sevens would look like. You know, we have and we've we got a really good game seven down in Miami. Although Boston led that entire time, Butler had a chance to make that three, which would have put him ahead, which would have been the first time they went ahead in the game. But we games we finally had a game seven. Now it was game four. Now, can they duplicate the effort in, uh, that they have to put together for another game seven? Because the rest of the series should be a bunch of game sevens, right? I mean, if the Warriors win and we come back to Boston, you know that's a, you know that, that's do or, that's the do or die. Now we know this: Boston's outstanding coming off of losses; they're horrible coming off of wins; they're great coming off of losses.
5: So the there was something. Oh, is this good? By the way, uh, this was his Steph's worst shooting year of his career. He shot 47% from three against Dallas. He's shooting 49% from he's making half his threes. Is that good? I think it is. He's shooting 50% from the field and 49% from three over the four games. He's hit five plus three pointers in all four games, which is a record. He's just dumb. He's dumb. Good. And it's weird. It's, it's not like he remember in game one, where that first quarter until the adjustment, he got open looks If you give Steph open looks, he's going to make them. I don't feel like anything wasn't contested last night. You can't knock Boston's defense. You can knock Boston in the half court offensively, but not defensively.
2: No, and and I think he got fouled more than they called. I agree. I mean, he was irate a couple times. I thought Tatum fouled him, you know, that follow-through. And I, look, we said this yesterday. I think they definitely are going through the period of, you know, they're going to let the guys play. And and I don't have a problem with it. I, I don't. But I do think he he has been fouled, and I think he's, you know, got away with it. Boston got away with a few. Just like I'm sure, you know, Golden State fouled Boston and got away. I mean, how many times did Tatum go to the rim and he couldn't get a call? You know? I mean, it's just impossible. So uh, I think it's clear that, you know, they let them play, and that's a good thing, and we won't. We won't have to worry about that.
5: Also, the adjustment, Michael, the rebound differential last night, the Warriors out-rebounded Boston 55-42. to It was essentially the same number the other way in game three, so a concerted effort there. And I owe him an apology. So Clay has been weird, right? He hit a couple of big threes. (laughs) We're laughing because, but I thought his defense, Clay Thompson's defense late on Jalen Brown, it was like vintage Clay all of a sudden. There was a, you know, I thought he really played good defense. Poole gave him a shot in the arm with 14 points. Looney, I thought was tremendous with the 11 boards. And Wiggins has been the second best player on the Warriors team.
2: No doubt. And, And he didn't even start. But how about this about Looney though? He doesn't start. And most guys would pout. Most guys would say, oh, you know, I'm not starting. He's ready to go. He comes in yep. and he plays his, one of his best games. I mean, that that goes to show you the, the culture within that program, you know, that they're able to come in there and I'm not going to start you today. Otto's going to go. we got to go small. And then he plays his best. And, look, I think Clay. Clay did as good as Clay. I thought Van Gundy was perfectly in line with so Clay. Good. He's He's got to get in transition. He's got to be able to kind of have static defense because if it's set, he can't get away from anybody. And I think he's right. I think, you know, unfortunately for Clay, the injuries have taken a toll on him. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you you, you blow out your knee and then you lose your Achilles. You're not going to be the same athlete for a while.
5: So – Boston, if you look at that number, jumping up the four on Monday night, Boston actually has the Warriors exactly where they want them because Boston lost a game since January 25th They're 13 and one after a loss. So this is, it's just confounding why they don't perform like that. Game three performance, why that didn't carry over into game four. Although, you know what? I shouldn't be disrespectful. It was, I mean, Boston played well. It's just, they kind of fell apart that last seven plus minutes offensively.
2: Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, look, there was a time where I thought they got control of this game, right? I thought they had control, but then there's another time that you know, then all of a sudden they, the Warriors hit a two and then a three, and all of a sudden there goes control. What 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 happened was, typically that didn't happen is the 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 Celtics didn't play their best defensively. Then they didn't take the one player out of the game that they could. But great players don't let you take them out of the game. Cooper Cup. You know, I mean, look, a part of it's McVay, too, on how he utilizes them. But when the guy converts 81 first downs and 100 and some catches, I mean, you're, it, and you, everybody knows he's getting the ball, you got to say that's a great player.
5: The best was when Steph hit a three and then he ran full court to go flex in front of the fans. My question is, what is he doing, P90X yoga? How's he yeah. getting jacked like that? Is he on your workout program? Like, what's the yep. deal with Steph? Hey, by the way, I just mentioned GM Shuffle. So you 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 have a podcast which is super popular. You know who else has a podcast? Tyreek Hill, and the debut episode dropped this week, and there's some drama. We'll discuss next. Wow.
3: work.
2: You're listening to the Lombardi line on VCN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once
4: again,
5: here's Patrick Maher. Is that McDonald's you were eating during the break? Like Jick Jack? Yeah. Oh, thanks for the offer, Matt Santos. Betting splits, they're up there and they're updated every 10 minutes over at vCN.com. So betting splits essentially it gives you an idea, it's for your arsenal as a better where the money's going and vets for every single game. So it's not just today's games, but into the future as well. It's a really important aspect of a sports betting is finding out where the money's being bet. So check it out. Betting splits updated every 10 minutes. vsin.com as we got you back here, Lombardi line. Thomas Gable's going to be joining us, uh, Michael, in about 15 minutes. And then we've got Jeff Siegel with his Belmont picks who killed it here for Express Bet on the Lombardi line with the try in the Preakness. Okay. So I did mention that Tyreek Hill has a podcast, which is exciting. The name of the podcast is It Needed to Be Said. Does it? Mm -hmm. Anyway, first episode dropped this week with his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, on the episode. And in the episode, Tyreek opened up and Drew Rosenhaus did a lot of the talking. I know that'll surprise you, knowing Drew as you do. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus talked a lot during the episode. Uh, But he said it wasn't just a business decision to move on from Kansas City. The wide receiver said... Essentially, I never went to the media, but his agent Rosenhaus said Tyreek was underutilized and wasn't fully appreciated in Kansas City. They didn't take full advantage of his ability. And uh, this is Tyreek's quote, and I'll let you run with it. If teams are going to give us... Uh, favorable one-on-one matchups against the best corner. I don't see why teams don't utilize their best receiver. Obviously, Tyreek talking about himself. He just wasn't getting the looks he felt he deserved. He went to Andy Reid. He went to Patrick Mahomes and says, I don't have to be the highest-paid wide receiver. I just want looks, and they traded him.
2: Well, I mean, look, you know, I I, I think a lot of it is predicated on, you know, he, he he I don't know how you can justify what he just said because he had 160 60 targets last year how many more looks do you want to get <laughs> I mean how many more looks do you want to get that's fair like, and, and I mean like I, I don't see some people say something and then they have no stats to back it up I just want to be more involved with the offense we threw the ball to you 159 times last year I think you're a great player I I think you're a tremendous I think you're one of the best receivers in football you shouldn't average 11.2 yards per catch with your speed and your ability to run after the catch. There's no doubt about that. But I don't know how many more times we could throw you the football.
5: Okay, I'll we pull, did it
2: 160 times. I'll, I'll
5: tell you what they said. So take a look at his game logs. Uh, f- first game of the year, he had 15 targets against Cleveland. The next game against Baltimore, he had four targets. Rosenhaus specifically okay. pointed out the drop in targets after week one.
2: Okay, I can explain. Please. I mean, Martindale's a smart defensive coordinator. You think he's going to let – you think he's going to let – the Browns are a zone concept defensively. They'll play some man on third down, but they're a zone concept. When you're a zone concept, you play your zones, and the receivers can run their routes, and you rally to the football. When you play a man concept like Baltimore does, you've got you to choose who you're doubling. You've got to say, okay, we're going to take Hill out of the game. We'll pressure him. We'll put somebody over him and somebody on top. So what happens – Mahomes gets the ball in his hands. He sees double coverage on Tyreek Hill. He focuses to where the single coverage is. It's called football. It's called football. That's why you can't use this. You know, you've got to you have to apply the the analytics to the game. The analytics in football don't stand alone. Get in eleven personnel so we can throw the ball. Great. Who's blocking the left end? Right? Who's blocking the right end? Because we're in six man protection. You know, like, like answer that question before we get in 11. Wait, you're surprised like, on Tyreek Hill's
5: podcast that he didn't interject and say, Drew, Drew Rosenhaus didn't say, well, let's talk about Doc Martindale's defensive scheme. <laughs> they just like, went with the well, narrative I mean, I that supported them. Yeah.
2: Well, of course. And then, and then it gets out there. Look, I love Tyreek Hill. I think he's great. I think he's tremendous. Uh, and I think he should get the ball 160 times a year thrown towards him. And you know in his catch and he had a 79.729% catch for a percentage. That's damn good for a wide receiver. That's outstanding. I mean, Kelsey at a tight end was only at 68%. You know, and so I uh, know he was at 70, I'm sorry, but I mean, a tight end should be at 75, 70, they should be in the higher 70s mm. cuz the ball's thrown in the middle of the field. It's an easier throw. So it's going to be interesting. If he thinks he's underutilized there, Oh, what's going to happen when he goes to Florida? Now, in fairness to Tua, mm? the one player Tua could get the ball to last year was Waddle. He had 140 targets. He had 104 catches. Why was he so good at doing that? Because it was all RPO stuff. Short throws. Then they used Waddle in yards after the catch. Right. They used him to gain yards after he caught the football, which was critical. Right. He, you know, he didn't. You know, he averaged what? Nine, eight a catch. What does that tell you? It tells you that you're catching a lot of short balls and getting tackled.
5: When you start a sentence with in fairness to Tua,
2: I have to check your blood alcohol level. They, well, I mean, look, so now, OK, what my point of this conversation I is I didn't finish it. I lost my train of thought. But how many guys can you run the RPO game to if you got Waddle and you got Hill, right? <laughs> right? You got Waddle, you got Hill, and you got Gasecki. You got those two, three players. Gasecki had 112 targets last year. Now, he couldn't get the ball to Gasecki as well as he wanted to. Gasecki was at 65% catch, catch percentage. So he was not throwing the ball to him very well. I mean, the receivers, other than Waddle, all the receivers were basically in the 50s, low 60s. That's not good.
5: So here's what else they said, and this is Tyreek Hill's podcast with his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. Hill said he told Andy Reid he didn't need to be the highest paid receiver in football. That $25 million or $26 million per year would have been enough. Quote, I tried my best, Hill said. I talked to the big man, Andy Reid. I talked to the quarterback. I'm like, look, can we make something happen? Can we make something happen? Can the guaranteed money make sense to me? Can it make sense to my family now, please? So he said he was, went to him, and he said as trade talks heated up with the Jets and Dolphins, Reed asked Hill if he still wanted to be in Kansas City. Hill said yes, but according to Rosenhaus, the compensation was still millions of dollars short of the market.
2: So mm-hmm. that's it. But your point is well taken. Hey, I mean, look, got I, I don't begrudge him. I mean, look, he, he's had a very blessed career. The fact that the Chiefs drafted him based on what happened at Oklahoma State is really one of the few teams in the league that would ever take the chance on him. Uh, and and they did. And he rewarded their chances. And he's behaved himself other than the incident that he never got suspended for or was cleared by his, by his girlfriend or wife, uh, you know, recently. I think it was three years ago. But other than that, he has been good. I, I mean, look, the Chiefs made their decision and they move on. They may ruin the day. The Chiefs. I mean, he's. I think one thing when you watch the Chiefs offensively, I will say this: the Chiefs' intermediate passing game is not there. Like they don't have a, a an intermediate pass. It's mostly we're going to take shots, we're going to throw it down the field, or you know that we're going to check it down here over here. But it, it, there's not a great intermediate passing game. They can get to it. I think that I think what Andy will do is find that. I think Andy's such a good coach, he will find that. You know, now will Hardiman take the place of of what he's lacking? I I don't know that. You know, I don't know that. But look, I just know that between Kelsey, Hardiman, whomever else they can figure out Juju, the draft pick, Juju, Juju, all those Sky guys, Moore. yeah, they, they got they'll get the football to people. I mean, they will. But, but again, I say all this though, Patrick. The quarterback's got to play better. He's got to play better. He's got to play like an A-plus player that he is, that we've seen him play that way. He can't play like a B. I'll
5: just single out one play. Remember the play against Buffalo where Tyreek's specialness, if that's a word, when he took it to the house and threw up the deuces, and that's where, like, you know, he is special. And you've, I, you know, you've had you him one you on you your can't. list. I mean, he is a, not a good, he's a great player.
2: I mean, because, he's, because he was a running back in college, right? He was a one – you know, at Oklahoma State, he played running back. So when the ball's in his hand, he's hard to tackle. And what he has that's so unique that very few players have is the ability to have great rare speed with rare quickness. Those two things typically don't go hand in hand, and he has that. So when the ball gets into his hands, he's dangerous and he's tough. I mean, that, that, that picture we showed earlier of, of look at his body. I mean, he's a strong man, and he's hard to get on the ground, and he's extremely quick. So, you know, but my question is, with Waddle getting so many looks, where is his looks going to come from? And you can't just RPO everybody.
5: A lot of pressure on the OC because the embarrassment of riches as far as on paper, the offensive weapons down in Miami, that's something. Does that get a little dicey sometimes with spreading
2: the ball around? Well, I mean, I think it's going to. And, you know, look, McDaniels is an expert, if you will, of the run game. I mean, there are going to be a run-play-action team. They're going to run. Look, McDaniels has been with Kyle Shanahan his whole life. He's going to run Kyle's offense. It's going to be no drop-back pass game. I say that with full respect. I think Kyle's an outstanding coach. If you talk to any guy, any person in the league who coaches defense or understands the game of football, they do not have a very good drop-back pass game. When they get behind in a game, it falls apart. That's by design because of how they want to run the football. And that's going to be the question in Miami. Where is their drop back pass game coming? Is it all off of play action? I'm anxious to see it.
5: What I do know is the new coach down in Miami, Mike McDaniel, is going to give us super weird post-game pressers the whole entire season. And he's going to say no weird doubt. stuff, and I welcome it because he's kind of a weird cat. Look forward to it. Look forward to see what they do. With all – what would you say? With respect to Tua? Man, that was – you are on vacation. You went no, on vacation. I'm not, or, on, I'm not <laughs> on vacation yet. I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm still I'm, pitching. I'm, I'm still pitching. So you're still throwing heat and cheese right down the center of the plate. Let's come back with Thomas Gable next here at Lombardi Line.
0: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring
4: former NFL executive Michael Lombardi once again here's patrick maher
5: okay betmgm the king of sportsbooks unleashes the spirit of las vegas with betmgm rewards every time you make a wager at betmgm you can earn betmgm reward points that you can redeem for online bonuses like credits free bets risk-free tokens but also if you're planning a trip here to vegas you can convert those points into BetMGM reward points that can be used towards dining or hotels or shows, whatever you want. It's a great deal. It's a loyalty program like your credit card over at BetMGM. Got to be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, we've got Jeff Siegel, ExpressBet, with his Belmont plays coming up in just about 15 minutes. But right now, we're joined by another sharp handicapper when it comes to the ponies, and that is Thomas Gable. TG, of course, runs the race and sports book out at the Borgata. And we say, good morning, Thomas. How are you today?
7: Doing well, guys. Big day here. Uh, hope, uh, hope all is well with you.
5: Things are great. Things are great. How'd you do last night on the game? Steph's uh, immaculate performance, no?
7: Yeah, it really was for him. Uh, you know, Boston, uh, listen, I think they, they blew uh, a great opportunity last night at home. Uh, a game that they were up in the fourth quarter in, and um, they just didn't execute offensively down the stretch. That's really what it came down to, turnovers. And you know, poor offensive uh, decisions and not executing. You know, leaving Steph Curry out of it. I mean, the, the guy did play phenomenal. Um, he certainly was the difference maker there for Golden State. But I think this really came down to a lack of execution in the fourth for for Boston. I think that they got um, stagnant there on the offensive end, and they just didn't have anyone. Um, on their side that could oppose Steph and and really kind of put the team on on its back. And this could end up being very costly for them because uh, now they go back to California here and the uh, series is even, but obviously now the home court shifts to Golden State in this scenario. And now Golden State is once again favored for the series.
2: You know, Thomas, I think you're so right. I mean, when they had the lead and then you go over every shot that they took, 22-footer missed by Tatum, layup missed by Tatum, you know, uh, the – Marcus Smart misses, Brown misses. I mean, they had ample opportunities. They had wide-open shots, They and they just didn't make them. And they scored six points in the last, what, six, seven minutes of the game. And Horford's three gets them right kind of back in it. You think they are, and then Brown turns it back over again. So yeah. I, I think this is one they're going to kick themselves for mm-hmm. a while. I mean, th- if they lose the series, they lost it in the last six minutes of this game here we just witnessed.
7: Yeah, Yeah, they actually had an opportunity to – basically put Golden State in a chokehold in, in, in this series, and, and they, didn't, they didn't do it. Um, and, you know, again, with the turnovers with Boston, this has been their Achilles heel, and you, you've seen it. I think basically that, that line in the sand is basically 15. If they have 15 or more turnovers, uh, you don't see them win very many games.
5: What's the price adjustment on the series?
7: Uh, Golden State is now a $1. fifty favorite for the series at this point.
5: Mm, 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 mm. Mm. You know what's weird about the turnovers, Michael and Thomas with Boston, Michael, it's weird. Game three, they cut their turnovers down to what, 12 after turnover Mm -hmm. Palooza the game prior. Like this is their I don't understand their reactions they are so dominant off losses, but they almost get ahead of themselves after a win. It's a really weird pattern that the Boston has followed here.
2: Yeah, I I think to me sometimes that like the Jalen Brown rush shots. I mean, they take some really ill advised shots, and then they 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 give themselves no opportunity to really to to make it. When they were driving to the rim in Game Three, they were that's when they were at their best. And this game, for some reason, they would drive to the rim and they would kick it out to the three and miss the wide open three.
5: Yeah. It's, 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 it's weird. And you mentioned it. It's, we, we talked a lot about Tatum because Tatum is now your second betting favorite. He was essentially even money yesterday for the NBA Finals MVP. It's now Steph 145 at most shops, Thomas. But Tatum, it's like he was good from three. He's missing bunnies at the rim. It's been a weird series where he's shooting. Let me just give you the number. He's 28 of 82, Jason Tatum, from the field in the series.
7: Yeah, and, and with Tatum, it seems like he goes through these spurts. Where uh, the first quarter for instance last night yep tremendous quarter for him, and then it's like he, he you know he just kind of falls
5: off the map it, it's a hundred percent right and They're the more talented team. Michael keeps on saying the younger team, the more athletic team. It's just one has one of the all-time greats that literally was Superman last night. What a performance. It was a joy to watch. Um, Okay. We transition. Let's go to Tampa Bay tonight. I I don't know how they're going to be betting this here because Tampa is just getting hammered in game six of this series. And the Stanley cup playoffs, of course, up three to two after the win the other night in New York, I got a couple of circa just went to over $2 on the lightning.
7: Yeah. $2 is pretty much yeah standard now. It's what it looks like uh, almost everybody's at two dollars and I think even one shop I see is at two dollars and ten cents right now on Tampa. So Tampa's obviously getting bet. Uh but uh you know again we we've seen most of the action here on the Rangers and you know in a prime time game tonight we also got a you know big UFC card after this game so it's gonna be a long day here uh between the Belmont and, and, and um what's goes on tonight but uh yeah, we'll, we'll probably, again, need the Lightning, but, you know, I just, uh, for all those Ranger fans who may be venturing to Borgata today, I mean, the one thing to take note, closeout games, you you might want to take a look at Tampa's record in closeout games and Vasilevsky uh, in those games and uh, their records. So, uh, not surprising you're seeing this big movement here uh, in the price on the Lightning
5: dominance
2: the you're still getting and you're still getting all the Ranger money huh I mean they're betting with their hearts here huh Thomas
7: yeah what you're seeing you're seeing the lightning now at this point with the price on the lightning lightning are getting thrown in a lot of parlays but yeah if you're betting this game straight out it's been
5: basically all Rangers money are you at five on the total or five and a half with a ton of juice
7: uh we are at five right now. We got the, <laughs> the five, uh the overjuice
5: that's so, like betting bat- yeah. back in the day hockey having a total of five, huh? I mean yeah. the two best goaltenders yeah. on the planet, let to be fair.
7: Right, right. Yeah. I mean the the uh and, and you've seen that the last few games in this series. Um so uh, the five, five and a half, I mean that's um certainly uh, well deserved based on their play.
5: Okay. So Belmont Stakes. I don't think yeah. we'll ever see a scenario where a horse goes off 80 to one. And then his next race, his or her next race, he's going to be close to three to one, <laughs> but that's the mm-hmm. scenario with rich strike. It's a fascinating gambling discussion, but he's been training like a monster. I'm going to try to beat the horse. Mo up top. He's training rich mm-hmm. strike, the Kentucky Derby winner, like a monster. Do you have thoughts on the horse?
7: Yeah, well, uh, what I'm really uh, anxious or interested to see here today is uh, how much Rich Strike uh, affects the the betting in terms of bringing the public money into this race. Uh, so obviously, you, you, you want to have the Derby winner in the Belmont, and we saw, uh, I think, at least here in terms of his absence in the Preakness, I, I think you saw a. a a drop off in him, at least from the public, you know, they they weren't that interested in betting the preakness. So having him uh compete here in the Belmont uh, I think is a big deal. Um certainly at the price of seven to two. Um you know I I would look to use in some, some exotics like you. I, I'm not gonna play him on top. Um I, I think the the Peter Pan winner here, we the people, uh two to one morning line, that will be the speed. Yep. Uh grandson of Tappet by the way. Yep. Um, but another horse I'm um, looking at, which also um ironically is another grandson of Tappet. Creative is Minister. Road.
5: Oh Barber yeah, well, the uh, Creative uh, Minister Barbara. as well. Good yes. job. Yes. Good job. Creative Thomas. Minister. Yes.
7: <laughs> yeah, so Barber Road uh with uh, Joel Rosario. Um uh, ran decent race at the Derby. I think if he can stay close to the pace, we've seen him be a consistent closer. Um you know, I wasn't on him on the, in the derby I do like his chances better today in the Belmont. Uh, My concern with, with We the People is that you won't get any sort of price on him as everyone is going to be looking at that performance in the Peter Pan. I would certainly think there, Patrick.
5: Michael, we talked about breeding and why mm-hmm. these horses make so much when they go to stud. You hear that name, Tappet, constantly yeah, in boy. these big races. Tappet's the best North American <laughs> sire there is, a beautiful big gray horse. But, I mean, he's got three or four horses that he's got bloodlines in, and that's why that's why the sport pays so much cash once they go to stud. And, and isn't
2: Creative Minister, I mean, he's bred for this race, Absolutely. right? I mean,
5: he's a distance runner. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely finished willingly in the Preakness, a third where he was kind of really wanted wanted the distance. And there's Nest. You know, Todd Pletcher keeps talking about with Nest, yeah, yeah. the Philly, that she wants the mile and a half, Thomas. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Th- nope. I, I could certainly see that. I could certainly see that. Mike, uh, Michael, I think. Um, you know, Barbershop Mike needs to throw at least a couple dollars on Barber
5: Road there. Yeah, oh, of
2: course. Yeah, I think there's no doubt. We'll get that We'll get that handled today. We'll see what, <laughs> you know, hopefully Barber Road has as good a blood as Barbershop has. <laughs> we'll see. I was going to say, as far as lineage,
5: you know, we're talking bloodlines. Well, nobody better than Michael Lombardi's dad, Barbershop Mike. Uh, okay, it's going to be a long day for you, Thomas, there at the Borgata. Enjoy it, and thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, T.G. All
7: right, thank you, guys.
5: Barber Road for Barbershop, Mike. You gotta love it. Coming up next, Jeff Siegel, who's killed it here on the show with his predictions as far as the preakness and also the Kentucky Derby. He's gonna hand out his Belmont Stakes picks. Next, you can find Michael Lombardi and Lombardi NFL on Twitter. We are at VCN Live on Twitter. Come on back with some Belmont plays next.
1: No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
2: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on vSEN, featuring
4: former NFL executive Michael Lombardi... Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, if
5: you want to watch the Belmont Stakes today, I got something for you. First off, just go to vison.com right now and you can download the First Bet Belmont Wagering Guide for free, which is invaluable. And this is for novice and also advanced handicappers. But here's the big one. Sign up for the First Bet app. Vsens preferred horse racing wagering app. And as soon as you do, you're going to get $25 in free bets to follow Jeff Siegel's picks in today's Belmont stakes. Why is that important? One, he's going to go rich strike and we're going to talk to Jeff about this, but Jeff has been killing it here on Vsens in the Lombardi line. He had the try in the Preakness. In fact, I think he might've had the super in the Preakness. And as soon as you sign up for first bet, the app, just download the app. You're going to get $25 free. You got to use the promo code LV Belmont. Okay. L V Belmont. But again, you can get that first bet racing guide for free right now to download over at vcin.com, which is awesome. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas. And the aforementioned Jeff Siegel joins us now. One of the best cappers on the planet. No pressure, Jeff, because you nailed the try here for the Preakness stakes. We head to the Belmont stakes and Rich Strike is in the mix. Let's start there with the horse that won the Kentucky Derby.
4: I don't see any reason why he can't win again, honestly. now I know he was 80-to-1 in that race, and right now he's 7-to-2, and you'd rather have the 80 in the Derby than the 7-to-2 yes. in the Belmont. But Rich Strike was not really 80-to-1. I mean, I didn't know that going in, uh, the Derby, but and evaluating his race uh, and watching him train, I think this coach for real. I, I, I really do. I, I go back a long, long time, I tell you. And I remember back in 71 when was, there was a horse named Canyon Arrow, who won the Derby and he was part of the mutual field. But if he wasn't, he would have been a hundred to one. And he won a Derby that was just unreal. And he comes right back and wins the Preakness just to verify how good he was. Uh, so and you get that a lot of times where you have a horse and then My Net Bird even My Net Bird when he won the Derby was thought to be a fluke and he ran great in the in the Preakness. So uh, and then even ran well in the Belmont. So I think Rich Strike is is the kind of cult that people maybe don't believe. Uh, and I know that this is a different type of race. Mile and a half is more of a galloper's race than the Derby, which is fast early and trying to close into those hot fractions. But I think this is a really good colt, and at seven to two right now, as we speak, I think Rich Strike's got a very good chance to come back and win again.
2: You know, uh, Jeff, it, it happens in football. You sign a co- player as a college free agent, and he starts to play well above his means, and you think, wait a minute, is this going to last? What What did everybody miss? You know. And I think in a sport where you have times to verify what a horse does, you, you c- should do away with the the, well, the fact that it was claimed or a free agent, however it is. Those times indicate greatness. Mm-hmm.
4: I can speak locally with Justin Herbert. I mean, I watched him play four years at Oregon, and thought I thought I knew what he could do. And then I saw him in the Rose Bowl and the Senior Bowl, and I said, "Wait a minute, wait a second, this guy is for real." And it wasn't surprising to me to see him come back and uh, as a rookie and do what he did, and, and go on and be one of the best quarterbacks now for the Chargers. So your your football analogy is correct. Sometimes you got to believe what you see, and, and I and I and I think that's what I'm. I'm seeing in Rich Strike. Now, this is a good race. It's a tough race. I mean, there's some Colts and Phillies in here that can run as well. Uh, and, but um, I know what I saw with Rich Strike in the, in the derby. I know what I've seen since. So uh, I think he can win. But, again, in, in handicapping this race, it is a different kind of race because it's a mile and a half, and the pace will be much slower. And, and I think that he can adjust. But that's, that's what he has to do, and I believe he'll be able to do that.
5: Jeff Siegel, express bet, first bet, of course, sign up now, get twenty five bucks for free to tail Jeff uh, over at first bet, and of course, the betting guide at vison dot com for free right now let 's talk about what you just said the mile and a half, and also big Sandy, Belmont, Sonny Leone, who rides rich strike, is going to ride at the Belmont for the first time. What makes this track unique, Jeff?
4: Well, it is a mile and a half, and you most jockeys, when they hit the far turn they they're, they're inclined and used to saying, okay, let's kick on with it right now. We've got three-eighths of a mile to go. And at mm-hmm. Belmont Park, you get into the far turn, you still got five-eighths to go. I mean, you can't move that soon. You really have to be um, you have to be patient. And I remember, um, you know, when my Nat Bird won the Belmont, uh, uh, was in the Belmont, and, and his style was to start moving into the turn, and uh, you know he was moved. He moved into the turn, but it was about uh, again almost a quarter of a mile too early. And then he hit the front, and flattened out late, and, and paid the price. You've got to be patient. You have to realize that even when you hit the top of the stretch, you still got more of a, much more than a quarter of a mile to go. And I think that's going to be the key here with Leon in trying to time out the move here, because clearly. Uh, Rich Strike is not going to be a leader. He has got an extended run, but you don't want to make it too soon. And, you know, most jockeys are going to be you know, who are used to Belmont Park know that when you think you have to move, you don't. And I just hope that Rich Strike is allowed to produce that last quarter of a mile kick as opposed to making some premature move that will kind of lessen his late kick in the final stages.
2: You know, Jeff, I know it's been 15 years since the Phillies won this race, and Rags to Riches did it, a Todd Pletcher horse also, and jockey Jose Ortiz won the Belmont a few years ago with Tapwit. So when we look over Nest, the Philly, she's got a really good – I mean, in the Kentucky Oats, she was second, and then in the grade one Ashland Stakes, she, she, was, she was very good. She won three of the last four starts. Is she a good play to attach with other horses in this race?
4: Absolutely. Uh, This is a really good Philly. Todd always says that if you're going to run, you can run a Philly in the Belmont. Uh, But if you do, you better win because it's a taxing race. Rags to Richard, to my recollection, never won another race after she won the Belmont. So it, it is a grueling, tough race for a Philly. But this is, her, this is her derby, so to speak, and Nest is the kind of filly, and being by Curlin and out of a mare by AP Indy, she certainly has the pet to go a mile and a half, but I think what you're going to see from Nest in this race is you're going to see her be very close to the pace. I don't think she'll be in front. I think We the People is logically the controlling speed, but Nest is kind of a high-class grinder. She doesn't have a great kick, but she can stay forever. And I think Ness has got a really good chance to draft in and sit second or third right off the pace and be exactly where she's going to want to be. Now, while you mentioned her, her runaway win in the Ashland, she actually ran really well in the Oaks. She was second. She didn't really get the best of trips that day. She was down on the inside and kind of got stymied there for a while. And then... Secret Oaks kind of rallied wide and took command, but I was impressed with the way Nest ran, and she definitely gave me the indication in the Oaks that she would was a true classic mile and a half Philly. She is eight to one in the morning line, I think currently though she's nine to two, so I think the betters are liking her. But Nest is absolutely a major contender here, and in the exactives and tries and Supers, she's on every one of my tickets, along of course with Rich Strike.
5: A lot of tap it in the bloodlines as far as the sire. Creative Minister's got some tappet there as well. Kenny McPeak, Brian Hernandez, uh, coming out of the five-hole. There's some juice on Creative Minister right now. Do you buy the juice on the horse? I would not be
4: surprised if Creative Minister ran very well here. But in an eight-horse field, you have to take a stand. And he's outside of my play. But uh, if someone came to me and said, I really like Creative Minister, I wouldn't talk him, talk him out. He's only had four starts. Uh, his numbers are, have risen with every start. Uh, you, you mentioned Tappet uh, on the bottom side of the pedigree. Creative Cause uh, was a, a, a good good horse, and he's by Giant's Causeway, so there's stamina there. And he's another one of these horses that could lay fairly close to what could be a, a moderate early pace. And if Creative Minister continues to improve, I could certainly see him in the frame somewhere. Uh, but, again, I'm liking Nest, obviously, and which strike, and I do think that uh Donegal is going to run very well. So once you start getting 2-3 deep and an 8-horse field, you got to follow line somewhere. So... He's out of what I'm going to be playing, but I'm not going to dismiss his chances.
5: Okay, keep it going, Jeff. You've uh, made us a lot of money here. It's First Bet. Again, the number one ST bet is the app. When you sign up right now, you get 25 bucks free. There's no reason not to do it. And then download the Belmont Wagering Guide over at vcin.com. He is, of course, Jeff Siegel. Thank you, Jeff.
2: Thank, thank you, you Jeff. For Best me. of luck. luck, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Okay, a- thank you. At, at Chase Siegel
5: at, at, Racing on Twitter.
2: And, and don't forget his Santa Anita plays, too that he gave out That's today. Right. He's been hot. You know, he's been really doing a great job. It's just not the it's not the Belmont no, today. It's also it. the Santa Anita's running it too. So if you like horses, pay attention to Jeff. Who are you gonna play? Who are you picking? I'm Nest. I'm going Nest. I, create, I like it. Ministers another one. I I think I might do that. And I love Rich Strike, so I I might do some form of those three. I do I, like, and I have to play the barbershop. You know, I got to get him some bloodlines going in there. I, I do on. like
5: your nest play. Look, Todd Pletcher keeps saying nest, the Philly, the, the, yeah. the female I, wants I the think distance. Jeff
2: gave away, gave away a clue though. He said that Todd Flet- wouldn't run this horse if she didn't, it didn't think she could win because it's so taxing. I, mean, I think that's a powerful, powerful statement.
5: When, when trainers take a shot with a girl against the boys, they really believe in the horse is the best way to put yep. it because it's, yep. it, they don't have to. She can go dominate the girls. She's in here against the boys. There's a reason for it. I like Mo Donegal up top, uh, underneath We the People for an exacta. You enjoy. Hey, it's a well deserved break, and you enjoy it. Take your time, man. Enjoy your time. Take care of my
2: man Femi over there, will (laughs) you, please? Femi, he's
5: causing trouble in the corner, and he's up next with Wes Reynolds. Thanks, Michael. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Lombardi Line. Okay, take care.
3: work.
1: Zumo Play.